Because we all face rules all the time. We face rules at work. It's called a policy manual where the company has set up different rules, different times, different set of standards where you have to be at work at a certain time. You got to do certain things. It dictates when you get to go on vacation and, and all sorts of rules at work. We also got rules at school where the teacher sets up in her classroom or his classroom what the expectations are in the school. You got to raise your hand if you want to say anything. You know, you got to walk quietly in the hallways. You got to complete your work. There are rules at work. There are rules at school and there are rules on the road. You know, you can't take a right turn on red. I always hated that rule. You know, you can only go a certain speed limit. There, there are certain rules on the road. There are certain rules in school. There are rules at work. There's rules at home. There are rules all around us. And most of us uh, have, a, have an allergic reaction when it comes to rules. Let me just take a quick poll here. Anybody here like rules? Anybody here? We got a couple of you like rules. Anybody sort of have a reaction to rules like, you know what? I don't really like being told what to do. Anybody else here, you know, have that sense of, you know what? I would rather not be told what to do. I'd rather like to have my own freedom, make my own choices. See, when it comes to rules, most of us kind of react negatively to rules. We don't want to be told what to do. We don't want our freedom of choice limited. Most of us don't like rules. And the question I'd like us to extend this morning is, why is that? Why do we have such an allergic reaction to rules? What is it about rules that some of us instinctively resist? Why don't we like rules? And why in the Bible are there so many people with the exact opposite response when it comes to God's rules? Why do we read people in the Bible like King David? When he saw God's rules, God's law, he says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it day and night. Do you remember that when we looked at soul food? Psalm 119 says, Oh, how I love your rules. I love your law. I meditate on it day and night. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Earlier in Psalm 119, David says, I hold fast to your statutes, O Lord. Do not let me be put to shame. I run in the paths of your commands, for you have set my heart free. Or in Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eye. See, maybe when it comes to rules that we got it all wrong. Maybe we've misunderstood God's rules. Maybe God's rules were never designed to control our behavior or limit our freedom. Maybe God's rules were designed to set us free and to lead us down the path to freedom. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open them up to the book of Exodus. Because the book of Exodus is the book of exiting. It's the second book of the Bible. And in it, we're going to find the Ten Commandments, God's rules. And it's chapter 20 in the book of Exodus. And as you're turning there, I just want you to remind you that you can tell a lot about a person based on the rules that they establish. You can tell a lot about a employer based on the policy manual. You can tell a lot about a teacher based on the rules that they establish. You can tell a lot about a parent based on the rules in the house. And you can tell a lot about God based on the rules that he gives us. 
And that's what we want to learn today. We want to learn a lot about God by looking at his rules. And in Exodus chapter 20, we see the Ten Commandments, the Ten, the Big Ten, the Big Ten Rules. And we want to take a closer look over the next few weeks at God's rules so we get to know his heart. So we get to know what God values. So that we can respond to God's law, God's rules like David did. And say, oh, how I love your rules. I love your law. I meditate on them day and night. I think about them. I talk about them. I apply them to my life. That's our goal over the next few weeks. Is is to have this love of God's rules. Now, if you remember, Moses was on top of the Mount of Mount Sinai. And God gave him the rules. The Ten Commandments. Chapter 20, Exodus. Verse 1 says this. And God spoke all these words. He says, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You just got to pause right there. If you have your own Bible, just circle that word slavery, because that is key to understanding God's rules. The context of the Ten Commandments is slavery. Does anyone remember how long God's people lived in slavery prior to the Exodus? 400 years. 400 years of slavery, 400 years of oppression, 400 years of having somebody else tell you what you need to do, 400 years of forced labor, 400 years. That's about twice as long as our country has been in existence. 400 years of slavery. That's a long time. That's all the people knew. They, they had no government, they had no king, they had no freedom, they had no law, they had slavery. When a Hebrew child went to school and he went to the, the history class, the, the main subject was slavery. Sure, they had Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, but the, the bulk of their history was slavery. That's all they knew. That's the context for the Ten Commandments was slavery. See, about three months prior to Moses receiving the Ten Commandments from God, God's people were enslaved in Egypt for about 400 years. And does anyone remember how God brought his people out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery? Anyone remember? It was through Moses. Through Moses and the Ten Plagues. If you remember, ten times... Moses entered Pharaoh's courts and he said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no, of course not. I'm not going to let your people go. There's, there's, there's work I need to be, get done. There are building projects I need to do. I need this slave labor. I'm not going to let your people go. So, so the 10 plagues, God introduced, or God, uh, or, or placed 10 plagues on, God sent 10 plagues upon Egypt. First it was turning the Nile into blood. And then it was the plague of the frogs and the plague of the gnats and the flies and the livestock and the boils and the hail and the locusts and the darkness. And before and after every plague, Pharaoh refused to let God's people go until the last plague, until the final plague in Exodus chapter 12. You can turn there if you like, or the words will be on the screen. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1, we read the following. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of, the, of your year. The, he's given them a new calendar. 
And then he says, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people uh, there are. You are to determine the amount of the lamb needed in accordance to what each person will eat. You're supposed to take orders. And the animals you choose must be a year old males without defect. And you may take from them the sheep or the goats. And then take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. See, God is about to rescue his people from 400 years of slavery. 400 years of oppression and slavery. And God's first words to his people were not thou shall or thou shall not. God's first words to his people were to take a lamb or a goat, slaughter it at twilight, share a meal with the community. And then God asked them to do something a little strange, something a little bit odd. Verse 7. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. Now, the Israelites are probably thinking, what? What are we supposed to do? I mean, this is a little bit strange. It's a little bit odd to put blood on the door frames of our houses. I mean, why would God ask us to do this? I mean, sure, we know how to have a barbecue. We know how to slaughter a lamb. You know, we know how to fix a meal for our whole community. But why would God be asking us to put blood, paint blood on the door frames of our homes. Well, let's read on. Although this seems a little strange, a little odd. Verse 12, read this. We read this. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will, tr- will touch you when I strike Egypt. See, God says, I'm going to judge Egypt. I'm going to strike down every firstborn. But when I see the blood on your door frames, I'm going to pass over you. I'm going to spare you. No destructive plague will touch you. But why? Why would God ask his people to do such a strange thing? Why did God tell the people to do such an odd thing to put blood on the door frames of their homes? I'll tell you why. Because our relationship with God is based on trust, not rules. Our relationship with God is based on trust, not rules. See, the first thing that God asked his people to do was trust him. To do something a little strange, to do something a little uncomfortable, to do something a little bit odd, to put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of their homes to demonstrate their trust in him. See, God says, I want you to put blood on the door frames of your house. I want you to show your faith in me, your trust in me. I want you to do something a little uncomfortable, something that you may not even understand. But I want you to demonstrate your trust in me by doing this act of faith. 
Just take a little blood, put it on the doorpost of your house so that when I pass by, uh, when I come to judge, I will pass over you. See, God's first words to his people were, do you trust me? And will you show your trust in me by doing this simple act of faith? See, so often we approach God with a rules-based mentality. That there's these set of rules that we're supposed to do this and not do this. Thou shalt and thou shalt not. And all these things that God expects of us. And we look at these rules and we say, God, I can't do all these rules. And we resist those rules. We rebel those rules or we give up. Or oftentimes we see those rules and we say, I want to do my best to do this. And I'm going to follow this. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to follow all God's commands. And then maybe if I do all those rules right, God will let me into his good graces. If I just follow the rules then I'll be in with God. George Barnard recently polled Christians and he asked them, what comes to your mind when you think of spiritual formation? A number of Christians answered it this way, trying really hard to follow the rules in the Bible. Because that's what we sometimes do. We approach God with a rules-based mentality. If we just follow the rules, then we're in. And if we don't, then we're out. And we forget to remember that before God said any rules, before there was any thou shalt or thou shalt not, before there was the Ten Commandments, God established a relationship with his people based on trust. Before he did anything, the first word that he said was, do you trust me? And will you demonstrate your faith in me by doing this simple act of faith? We put some blood over the door frames of your homes because when I judge Israel I'm gonna, or, or Egypt, I'm going to pass over you. Our relationship with God is built on trust, not rules. See, that's the context for the Ten Commandments. Three months before God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, he, he rescued his people from 400 years of slavery. That's the context for which God gives his people the rules, the Ten Commandments. And I love the way God started out in Exodus chapter 20, verse 2. He says this, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I just want to remind you that I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt and I am your God. He didn't write, I am a God. He didn't say, I am the God. He says, I am your God. I am your personal God. And I'm the one that brought you out of slavery, out of the land of Egypt. Not because of anything that you did. Not because you were so impressive and all the good behaviors that you did. I mean, you were just slaves. You were just trapped. You had nothing going for you. And I came down and I rescued you. I saved you. I intervened. I chose you not because of anything that you could do for me, but purely out of my love and grace for you. See, God wants his people to remember right from the very beginning that first I was your savior long before I was your lawgiver. I am your God. I am your savior. I am your personal Lord and Savior. And then God says this in verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. That's the first commandment. That's the first commandment of the, of the Ten Commandments. You shall have 
no other gods before me. Now Moses is probably up on this mountain. You know, he's got his chisel and he's got this stone and he's trying to take copious notes and he's writing down this first commandment. He shall have no other gods before me. And he probably pauses and says, God, is that it? No, is there anything else? Anything else that you want me to write down? And, and God probably says, yeah, I mean, there's nine more. But this is the first one. This is the first one. You shall have no other gods before me. And Moses probably responded. He probably responded, check. I, I got this one. I mean, after all the things that you did for me, God, after you rescued me, after you called me, after you spoke to me, after you sent all these plagues upon us and rescued us, your people, after all that you did for us, God, of course, we're going to have you as our one and only God. Of course, we're going to have you as the one and only God and have no other gods before you. See, that's the first commandment. That's the first commandment of the Ten Commandments because you can tell a lot about a person based on the commandments that they give. And you can tell a lot about God based on this first commandment. See, as a response to all that God did for his people, he simply wants them to respond in worship. Have no other gods before me. Love me. With all of your heart and soul and mind and strength. Delight in me as your greatest treasure and highest pleasure. Have no other gods but me. That's God's first commandment. That is what God is most concerned about. Our hearts loving and worshiping him. And that's a theme throughout the scriptures and throughout the book of Exodus. Anyone remember what Moses said to Pharaoh after he said, let my people go? How did he respond to the question, why should I let God's people go? Why? So that they might worship me. So that they might worship me. Throughout the book of Exodus, right after Moses said, let my people go, he says, so that they may go out to the desert and worship me. So they may go out to the desert and see me as the one and only God. So they may go out and see me and have no other gods except me. God's first rule is worship me his greatest concern is for our worship god's first command is to love him with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength to delight in him to respond to all that he has done for us through worship see so often we approach god with this rules-based mentality that here are the rules and if I don't follow the rules, then I'm out. And I, I see God as this big judge in the sky and he's just watching all the things that I'm doing wrong and I'm not adding up so that I'm out. Or there's these rules that if I just try hard enough, if I just do my best, if I just follow the rules, then I'm in. And we misunderstand God's rules. We forget to remember that God's first word to his people was, do you trust me? And he built a relationship with his people based on trust. A simple act of faith by putting blood over their doorposts. And his first command to his people was, will you worship me? Will you see me as the one and only God? Will you worship me with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength? Will you see me as the one and only God? Now, we're going to talk about that more next week and the following week. But that's the first commandments. The Ten Commandments came after God rescued his people. That's the context for which we must understand 
the commandments. God already established a relationship with his people based on trust. And then he gave them the Ten Commandments. Because following God's rules will never get you into a relationship with God. The rules were given after the relationship was established. Anybody here have family rules? You've got rules in your family. Anybody here establish rules for your children? Anybody here have rules for your children? So there's basically rules that we have established for our children, established in our homes. We have family rules. I was talking with a member of our community here who has family rules for their kids. They were small kids at the time, and she had some basic rules for them. You know, it's don't throw the ball in the house. You know, don't hit your brother. You know, eat with your mouth closed. You know, just some of these basic rules. And she would post these rules at, at a cabinet at the lower level in their island so that the kids could see the rules. So when they were young, about two or three, four years old, she would, uh, they, they would break one of the rules. They'd throw the ball in the house or they would hit their brother and she would take them over to the cabinet and they would say, okay, see, look here, this is the rule. You're not supposed to hit your brother. Now, it didn't matter the kids couldn't read, but she just wanted them to see the rules, that those are the rules. We don't do that in the house. We have family rules. Now, if I came to her house and I followed her rules, I didn't throw the ball in the house or I, you know, didn't hit anybody in the house or I, you know, ate all my food. Would that, would, would I be part of her family? Well, of course not. Because rules never establish a relationship. Trust us. See, I've had the privilege, or I have the privilege of being a father. I have the privilege of raising children. I have rules that we've established in our house. There are three basic rules. There's, we add on to them here and there, but our three basic rules is play hard, listen well, and help your friends. Just three rules to live by. Play hard because we value hard work. Give it your best. Listen well to those in authority, whether it's a teacher or a coach or a parent. Listen well. And then help your friends be people of compassion. Help those around you. Three rules that we live by. Three simple rules. Now, if I went to your house and your children and I said, hey, you've got to follow my rules. You've got to listen well. You've got to help your friends. You've got to do this. If I came into your house and told your children what to do, what would you say? Who do you think you are? You have no right giving my kids the rules. You're not their parent. I am. And because I'm their parent, I establish the rules. See, that's the same with God. Because he's our heavenly father, because we have a relationship with him, he establishes rules for us to follow. He establishes rules for us to live by. So you got to remember the context. The people of God lived in slavery for 400 years. They had no law. They had no king. They had no government. They had a slave mentality. They simply were told what to do. And then God graciously saved them and gave them rules to follow. So the Ten Commandments were never given to God's people to make bad people good or good people better. The Ten Commandments were given to keep free people free. To keep free people free. That's why God gave us the Ten Commandments. Because God knows that not all free choices lead to freedom. 
Some choices lead to slavery. Some choices lead to addictions. Some choices lead to death. So God graciously told us what to do, how to live a life of freedom. That's why God gave us the rules, to set our hearts free, to keep free people free. See, God's first command to his people was worship me, love me. Delight in me as your greatest treasure. Have no other gods before me. But before he said that first command, his first word to his people was trust me. And show your faith in me by doing a simple act of faith. Kill a lamb, put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of your home. So when I pass over you, I will spare you. See, rules are an overflow of a relationship. God gave his people rules to keep his people free. And that's why King David, when he looked at the Ten Commandments, could respond, Oh, how I love your law. I meditated on I meditate on it day and night. I think about it. I, I process it. I apply it to my life because in your law is freedom. And that's why he gave us. The Ten Commandments to keep free people free. Gracious God and Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the clarity in it. And we thank you for the involvement that you have had in the history of your people. How you establish a relationship with us based on trust, not rules. And that your rules are given to us to keep free people free. And my prayer, God, is that we would see your word and your laws as the path to true freedom. And that we would run to them like the psalmist of old. Run to your commands because you have set our hearts free. So, God, we thank you for your word. And we ask that you would transform us to be free people and follow you with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to receive the offering. Remember, the offering is just an expression of our worship. As a response to all that God has given to us, we freely give back to Him. And you're also remember to drop in your welcome cards in there in the offering plates.